Our reading today is taken from Colossians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you or your phone with you with a magic app on it, where you can get the Bible in as many different translations as you like, uh, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 and verses 12 through to 17. So these are the words Paul writes to the church, not only in Colossae, but to us today, his church today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Amen. I wonder if you've ever found yourself grumbling or complaining. Anybody want to vote no? I've never grumbled or complained this morning. This is the church, you know, it's fine. You can be perfect. Well, maybe you can't be, otherwise you, would, you wouldn't be here, would you, if you were perfect? Yeah, grumbling and complaining, it's a bit of a thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure even when you came here this morning, there must have been, you know, that drive, if you drove, you know, that driver, or someone was late, or, you know, you picked up something on the news before you came and something happened. You know, it happens to us all, and I, I know it happens. We can't hide any of that at all. It's a very common and understandable problem, isn't it? And of course, we see it many times in the Bible as well. The Bible doesn't sanitize the fact that your life is not always plain sailing and uh, we do have this propensity to grumble and complain. I I think in the story of uh, Jesus told of the prodigal son, both sons really uh, were in a pretty complaining situation. The younger son who said to his dad, I want it now, you know, I'm not happy where I am. I I want my inheritance now. I want to go away from this family. And then the older son had the attitude, well, I deserve it, you know. I've been here all the time. I've earned the right to to a party at least or the fatted calf at least. You know, there was a grumbling and complaining. Then there's that lovely story in Luke chapter 17 of Jesus when he heals the 10 lepers. You may know that story. And only one of them came back to give him thanks. So what does it take to be the one to be the one who is thankful, who is grateful. Over these, uh, the month of June, we looked at the life of Paul. And uh, if you weren't here and you want to catch up with any of it, then it's always available on our YouTube channel. And my thanks really to Matthew Leng, who spoke to us about uh, um, Paul in, in Athens, and then James a couple of weeks ago, and George last week as well. Thank you to all of you for helping us work through a little snippet of the life of Paul. We couldn't do it justice in four weeks, but thank you to those who opened up the word in that way. 
And it seems to me like he had plenty to grumble about, didn't he? We often meet him in difficult circumstances, in places where perhaps he'd rather not be at times, or places he didn't expect to be, talking to people who he was frustrated about in terms of, 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 of speaking about the gospel. Plenty of it. He was on his way to one place. The spirit said, no, you've got to go somewhere else. He was taken into prison and chained with a guard. But you know, he was sat there. But of course, all he did was preach the gospel to those who were closest to him. It seemed as if in Paul's life, there was something that tipped the balance away from constant grumbling and complaining. It seems as if he made a different choice. He was struck blind. His past was catching up with him. He was frustrated with people who didn't quite get what he got. His shipwreck and so much more, wasn't it? Yet, in his letters to the churches, he encouraged them, he urges them to choose a different attitude. He's trying to lift their eyes above, you know, all that they had to complain about and grumble about. And there was much to in the persecuted church, particularly of that day. So when he writes to the Colossians, he He wants them to choose to be grateful, to be thankful, to begin to have an attitude of gratitude, as the saying goes, to begin to turn round this propensity to be the 90% in order to try and work towards being the 10% who come back thankful for what God has done. So what what does he say? Colossians 3.15, he simply says, and be thankful. That's it. He didn't want to dress it up. He didn't want to give an illustration about it. He just said, and be thankful. Have the attitude of every good thing I have comes from God. Because we know that really, don't we? If we pause long enough to look around us, we know that every good thing we have comes from God. And I'm guessing you may have met people who have had that attitude of thankfulness, have you? People who just seem to be thankful for everything, whatever it is. I don't quite understand that personally, but you know, you've met them, haven't you? You know, whatever's happening to them, they are always thankful. Whatever is going on, it seems that they are, are blessed with this sense of they have enough. Paul called it contentment, didn't he, elsewhere in his letters. I've learned the secret of being content, whether I have plenty or I have nothing. I've learned the secret. And that contentment leads him to this place of enough, of thankfulness. Now, I've, I've had the privilege in my time of ministry to be in many different places, in many different situations, meeting lots of different people, as you have as well. You know, I've had the privilege of meeting people in, in shacks in South Africa who, are, who have been suffering from AIDS. And you go there with a key worker and they give them some paracetamol. And that's all they've got to give them, despite their suffering. And the joy on that person's faith to face to receive just a few paracetamol that many of us have plenty of in our cupboards, I'm guessing, is, is humbling. And I'm sure you've met similar situations to that. I, I've, I've been, had the privilege of being in Hong Kong and in the tiniest of flats that would probably not be much bigger than a, a living room, perhaps, that, that some of us have. And in there, there's six people, a family living there, and everything they do is, is centered around this one room. And yet they lay out the table for me when I arrive as some honored guest for some reason. And uh, their, their, their tablecloth was newspaper. Yesterday's newspaper they put as the tablecloth. And then they kept bringing out this weird-looking food that I'd never even... I couldn't even guess what it was, but somehow I managed to eat it and paid the price later on. But, but do you know what it is? It's just that generosity... That, that you see that thankfulness for, for what appears to be nothing. 
And then, you know, in my time in, in Oldham and Manchester, you know, to visit some very unlooked-after houses with people who have very little, who suddenly provide you with a cup of tea in the dirtiest of mugs that I'd ever seen in my life. But of course, you have to drink it, don't you? Because it's that sense of, you know, we have something to give you and we want to give it to you. And that gratitude is shocking, really, in so many ways. And it's challenging and it's changing because you begin to see that there's something more in this line that says, and be thankful. But I come home and I can't help complaining about something again. It's too easy, isn't it, to think that we should have more when Paul urges us firstly to be thankful because we have enough. I'm guessing you know people like that. I'm guessing you may be sat next to somebody like that today. And it's good for us to be reminded again of that sense of thankfulness that we're called to. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Is enough to be thankful to cause us to overflow. God has enough to give. When you look through Scripture, He always comes through. For someone like Noah, the plan to build an ark, and instead of complaining about it, instead of complaining that there's no sea that he could ever see, he built it and saved his family, and God used him again. God gave the Israelites a cloud to follow it in the day and a fire to follow at night. God gave David a stone to kill Goliath. He gave Jonah a big fish to swallow him. It seems like God will always give enough if we're attentive to him. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And that is enough. Paul also goes on to say, though, that actually being thankful is one thing. But he goes on to say, then, overflow with thankfulness in verse 16 overflow with it there's a sense that it's got to come out of us he says speak to each other with songs and singing and gratitude in your hearts there's an overflow that comes from that thankfulness that we have tell others to coin a phrase from a Matt Redman song that we sometimes sing every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise every blessing I'll turn back to praise because I recognize God that it comes from you And the danger is if we don't turn every blessing that comes from God into praise, who gives it to us, then it will turn into pride because we'll think we are the ones who have earned it or deserve it or have have somehow done what what is needed to have it. The overflow from our lips is the gratitude, the thankfulness, the blessing that says, I am blessed, I am thankful to a God for giving me what I have. Jesus said in the out of the mouth comes what's in your heart. Out of the overflow is what is in your heart. And we need that spirit of thankfulness to overflow into the lives of the people we meet as well. Take a moment to each day to list down the blessings you have. You know, there's a verse in that prodigal son story which captivates me. It's time and time and time again when I read it. Do you remember the story where the father goes out of the party he's thrown for the, young, for the younger son because the older son is still outside, seething, complaining, angry, bitter. 
And then in Luke 15:31 we read what the father says. He says this, "My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours." Wow. <laughs> if this is a glimpse of God the father, which I believe it is, the father says to you, "My son, my daughter, you are always with me and everything I have is yours." Is it enough to cause an overflow? A thankfulness and gratitude, a song in our hearts, words of praise to the giver of it. Turn every blessing into praise, overflow with thanksgiving. And then Paul says in verse 17, it's time to demonstrate your gratitude by serving as well. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I remember what Jesus done, and so I'm thankful, so I serve, I serve, I speak, I act. I show that thankfulness in reality into the lives of the people who I encounter as well. That's the outworking of thankfulness, to be a reflection of what God has given to you, to me, so that we can begin to, re- to reveal that into others. Yeah, there's this lovely story in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus gets invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee. And uh, that's quite a big occasion, really, for a Pharisee to invite Jesus into his home. But he goes to dinner with Simon, uh, and a woman comes in and falls at Jesus' feet and weeps tears over the feet of Jesus. She wipes them with her hair, and then she pours perfume on them. And Simon, the Pharisee, is scandalized by it. He thinks Jesus should have known the sort of woman she was. Well, Simon, you need to realize he did (laughs) know the sort of woman she was. And Jesus says something very important to Simon in that moment. John chapter 7, verse 44. He says this. Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. No sense of gratitude or thankfulness that you've come. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Here's the demonstration of gratitude that she gave towards Jesus. And he responded, Imagine, imagine how she felt after that moment. Imagine that sense of forgiveness, of new beginnings, that resurrection life would brought her hope and a future, acceptance and welcome. Everything I have is yours, Jesus is saying to her. Be forgiven, you're set free. Yeah, the Greek word for gratitude and thankfulness is eucharis. Good gifts, good things, remember Eucharist is where we get the word Eucharist from, communion from. It's with thanks. It's a moment for us to offer that thanks to God because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. How he first loved us. How he gave himself for us on the cross. How he conquered death itself through his resurrection. And that he looks at us as we come afresh to him and says, your sins are forgiven. Get up and follow me. That's our starting point. And may every day be a starting point of thankfulness and gratitude as we move into our days to serve him.
to speak his praise and to help others to encounter him. We're going to move to this time of communion, but we're going to sing together. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood. If you're able to stand, let's stand and let's acknowledge the love of Jesus and let us be thankful as we sing this hymn of praise to him together.